Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody, over the seven continents of this beautiful land. Yes, this is Joel Wanski, the big dog. The coach, John Cohn, well, the man is at home in a straitjacket right now. He's uh, he's taking his one-week sabbatical. His wife puts him in a straitjacket, bounces off the walls. He listens to TalkZone.com music. It's very therapeutic for him, and to be quite honest, he, he really needs it. David Olson, the producer, on the other side of the glass. Going to be doing a fantastic job. This is Lord Wanski, and there is plenty to talk about. If you're a diehard baseball and football fan like myself, there is definitely plenty to talk about. Uh, you've got a myriad of free agent signings all over, all over the place, and uh, David Olson and I are going to be talking about that and uh, a couple great games in baseball yesterday. A couple dominant pitching performances, uh, and then uh, the resurgent Pirates getting robbed yesterday. Now all of a sudden people are talking about uh, instant replay. We'll talk about that a little bit because quite honestly everybody's saying, hey, we need instant replay. Well, if there was instant replay on that play, it wouldn't have been overturned. So uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and some fun facts about the Congress of the United States of America. I mean, right now uh, there's we're in a crisis in the United States. And I just want to point out a couple things about the about our United States Congress. And uh, always going to have a good time here on two guys and a mic. Obviously, it's more like one guy and a mic because the coach will be gone for the week. So, uh, obviously, when we're doing the show, when I'm doing the show by myself with the help of uh, David Olson, you know, and it ends up being a lot different than when it's coach and I making fun of each other for an hour. So, I will try to keep it fun. And and uh, as we set off on this on this uh, beautiful day, I guess the the story around sports, without question, right now. Uh, American sports, that is, is uh, the fact that the free agent signing period has begun. And this is really, really amazing because because of the whole new uh, uh, collective bargaining agreement, which I like to repeat very happily, that is for 10 years, everybody, so we don't have to worry about an offseason like this for another 10 years. But uh, now it's like the wild, wild west, so even though – you know, it's kind of been a pain in the butt. This is actually like a, a dessert. If you're a football fan, the last day and the next like three or four days are going to be unlike anything we've ever seen as football fans. So either instead of complaining about it, saying, oh, why did it take so long, all that other stuff, you know what? They're not going to miss any uh, regular season football games. And I really don't think the play will be that much affected. And the way it's affected, it's only going to be one year. And it, you know what? As, as a fan, let's see the difference of them not having all these camps going in. So this is a really, really interesting uh, season if you're a football fan, especially if you're a guy who likes the business of the football and uh, and how to build a team and you know what teams need what players. And, and every year you'll see massive, major signings. And I guess the biggest guy out there right now is Nandi Asamoa of the Oakland Raiders, who for some reason don't really need his services. I, I guess they don't want to win over at Oakland. That doesn't make any sense over there. But uh, typically you have these massive signings uh, of free agents, and very rarely do those massive signed guys live up to their expectations. There's usually some guy that uh, 
that uh, was signed like a three-year, $12 million deal, comes out of nowhere and has a, a phenomenal year. Okay, did, did I just act like $12 million over three years was nothing? I, I didn't mean to do that, especially the people out there working their butt off and don't have much to speak for it. Um, but it's usually the guys, those smart signings, you know, like uh, signing the right offensive guard to shore up your offensive line, and next thing you know, your running backs are, have all kinds of room. So this this time of year is extremely important. And uh, also there's been some heartwarming stories. Getting uh, Mark Herzlick, the kid out of Boston College, uh, that's how I'm going to start it off with. This kid is, in, in 2008, was a first-team All-American football player and quite honestly dominated. He's a, he's a playmaker. He's like one of those kids who gets a lot of sacks, gets a lot of interceptions, a lot of forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. He returns them for touchdowns. You know, it's one of those guys, he looks a little, he looks a little gangly and awkward. He's about 6'4", 250 pounds, but he's really long and athletic. Well, in 08, he dominated at Boston College. And then uh, right before the 2009 season, it was found out that he had bone cancer. So he missed the whole 2009 season. A titanium rod was put in his leg because they had to remove uh, the bone, basically. They had to move a part of the bone, and in order to reinforce the rest of it, they had to put a titanium rod in his leg. Uh, he goes out and plays for Boston College last year. And, and quite honestly, I mean, he was nowhere near the player he was in 08, especially early. But he continued to get better every single game, and that that tells you that if he can get if he can continue to get better, he probably will get back to that 2008 form. There's something to be said about people who have faced death, and the, the guy had, uh, Mark Islick had a, had a 30% chance of death. That's what they said. He had a very serious form of bone cancer, even uh, though they caught it at a really early stage. Bone cancer is different. That is, that's a cancer that will get you. I know all cancers do, but it, this is that's a serious one. And uh, so uh, this guy ends up, playing great by the end of the season. By the end of last season, he was almost as dominant as he was back in 08. Well, nobody drafted him. And this is the kid that was supposed to go in the first round. And we're talking, like, he he's a pass rush defensive end that can also cover. I mean, that, he could have went in the top five, you know. So, uh, well, he didn't get drafted at all. And yesterday in the first days of, of free agency, uh Basically, the first they're going in segments. Like, when can you sign uh, different people? Like, right now, you can't sign your your uh, draft choices. They're they're taking care of all of uh, the undrafted free agents. So, Mark Herzlick on the first day uh, signs with the New York Giants, and they really need linebackers. And I, I didn't realize until yesterday when when David Olson told Coach and I that the only two linebackers under contract for the Chicago Bears was uh, uh, Lance Briggs. Lance Briggs, all-pro, Brian Erlacher, all-pro. Other than that, I didn't know. I didn't know. So, um, yeah, but it seems like they're going after Nick Roach hard. So. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he, Nick Roach needs to sign. He needs to sign. So hopefully that there isn't a lot of holdouts and, and these guys get in the camp uh, really quick. If I would have known that they were so short on, on linebackers, I would have loved the Bears to have gone and got that guy. He's, he's the type of guy you want in your locker room. Uh, are you familiar with his story at all, David? Not really. Okay. Well, I mean, just a good overall kid. And, uh, I mean, I just, I just happen to feel deep down that if you get somebody that has overcome something like that, that's the type of player you want on your team. And the guy was dominant 
while he was in college before uh, before before the bone was uh, replaced. So doctors say he's going to be all right. Uh, hopefully, and that's like the heartwarming story yesterday. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, that's just, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Talk about the Giants. Uh, Plaxico Burris is talking to the Giants about re-signing with them. Plaxico Burris story. He was the the guy who shot himself in the leg, missed two seasons uh, because he was in jail, and now he's a free agent. And uh, the NFL, Roger Goodell, has said, no, he served his punishment, and I'm glad. Because he, he talked about NFL that even if he like a, a player missed some time because of uh, being a correctional facility, when they got back, they were still going to have to serve their, 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 their sentence, or whatever you want to call it, serve their suspension. But uh, I think he made the right decision. Plaxico Burris has already missed two seasons. He shot himself in the leg in a total accident, so uh, technically he, uh, Goodell is not going to force him to, to sit out any more games. So now it's a question where he's going to sign, and, and the Giants really need him. They need the wide receiver, but they don't need the guy that went before he shot himself was late to, to meetings all the time and maybe didn't practice as hard as everybody wanted him to. But uh, I, I really do think correctional facilities and having your, your – your baby who was born while you were in jail, missing her, missing uh, your wife. I, I think stuff like that can straighten somebody out. I want the Bears to give uh, to give uh, Plaxico Burris a chance, but it's like Plaxico Burris going back to New York, really trying to trying to go full circle, make you know uh, keep everything in house kind of way. Like if he goes back there, it's almost like he's forgiven. I think so. Uh, we'll see with the whole Plaxico Burris deal, but there has been all types of signings, and I've been ridiculously busy. I had been preparing a bunch of like political stuff for the show, but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch any football. I was actually extremely busy, uh, but I was having fun yesterday, folks. I ended up staying at the Drake Hotel. Un- got an unbelievable like rock bottom. If I told you the price I got at it, people would not believe me. But I ended up staying at the, the Drake Hotel last night, which is probably the most famous hotel in the city of Chicago, and I've lived here my whole entire life, 38 years besides the four years I was uh, in college. So it was like a real exciting day. And I was able, I checked in at 3 o'clock, actually before 3 o'clock, the actual check-in time. I just wanted to make sure I got every second out of the place. Uh, so it's been really good. To, but to be quite honest with you, I feel the history and all that, and it's really cool, and I'm glad I stayed here. But the Seneca Hotel is actually nicer than uh, the Drake Hotel out here. Um, but I also did something else, the signature room. Now, in, in Chicago, the John Hancock Center, on the 95th floor, they have a restaurant. On the 96th floor, they have a lounge. And I've never done that either. I mean, I've done so many different things in Chicago. Uh, there's so much to, to do here. But, like, one of the most touristy things, staying at the Drake and going to uh, the signature room in the Hancock Center, you know, it's like people who live in uh, New York who've never been to the Statue of Liberty. So, I was, you know, yesterday we were going to go to the Cape Cod room that was here in the Drake. And I, don't know, I went in there and like the guy uh, who was at the door kind of gave me, he was kind of stuffy. Gave me just like, I didn't last night. I didn't like his vibe. So I was like, Hey, let's go to the, to the signature room. So we go to the signature room. Oh my goodness. The, that might've been the most beautiful view of Chicago that I have ever seen. I mean, the Hancock center has a really good angle of downtown and the lakefront with Navy pier right there. I mean, like the panoramic view if you can get from your left Navy Pier, then across, and you see like the Aon Building and and the whole new Lake Point uh, uh, Park, which is where the old golf course used to be downtown. Well, 
they they uh, got rid of the golf course. They put a dog park in there, and then they built uh, 13 buildings around the park that are the most gorgeous buildings possibly uh, in the city of Chicago. That is an underrated area in the city, and it's brand new, and I, and I didn't even know about it until a, a couple months ago. And then, uh, obviously, you get all the other buildings, like uh, Sears Tower and and, uh, and other ones in the view. It was really, it was amazing. And I was like, wow, it's taken me this long to come up and actually do this. So when I was there, I decided to try a food that I had never had before. I'm like, oh, it's a day of first. Okay, well, all I can say is the Drake Hotel was a thumbs up, signature room a thumbs up, but the, the duck that they served me at the signature, uh, that, that might be the most vile animal that I've ever eaten. Now, the girlfriend told me that it was not cooked properly. But I gotta tell you, that was nasty. It was basically just chunks of fat, and uh, I was pretty disappointed, to be quite honest with you. But everything it, it had to been cooked improperly because if duck is cooked correctly, it is delicious. Okay, yeah, it uh, it I, is. It's it's the best form of poultry there is, if you can consider it poultry. Now, there were parts of the, the of the meat that I got that didn't have any uh, fat on it. And it tasted really good. Then there were parts that didn't have any fat on it, and I ate it, and it was the chewiest thing ever. Like one was tender and delicious, and the next one was like it was like almost rotten. It was hard to explain. Did you complain about that? I uh, I let the guy know, but you know I, I didn't. I just kept. I ate other stuff. So girlfriend was mad. She said she should have returned. I'm like I've never returned anything. Exactly. In my oh, no, 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 no. You're paying them to cook you dinner. If you don't get what you want, send it back. I do it all the time. I do. I'm afraid to, Dave. I really am. I'm well, what, 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 what are they going to do? You're, you're paying them for a service, and if you know, it's like okay. For example, I know you worked putting up fences at one point. If you were to come up and put up a fence that was crooked, you don't think they'd call you back to put it in right? Oh yeah, they would. Uh, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Absolutely. So if they don't cook it the way it's supposed to be cooked, send it back. No, I just thought I made a bad decision. Like, oh, I shouldn't have got the duck. That's what I was seeing it as. Even though the girlfriend's like, no, they didn't cook it right. So. Yeah, and that's what you say. This is, this is undercooked, and I mean, they'd give you another one, and they'll they probably would have comped you part of your meal. Yeah, it's just complain. I don't complain enough. I guess I do. I'm Sque- not squeaky, on the show. squeaky wheel gets the grease. And yeah. it, it is it is very true. I, you know, I I am going to start. I I will tell you this is one thing I do is I write comment starts. If I get real good service, I will write a comment card. And if I get really bad service, I'll write it too. So, people be careful. Be Larry. If you see me, you might want to. You might want to actually do what I do as a customer, or do, give me what I want as a customer. I'm serious. I, I used to not care, but that stuff. So maybe I will turn into this Dave. I'm growing into somebody that writes comment cards. So maybe eventually I'll write and say, "Hey, you know what? I didn't like this." Blah blah blah. So, but with the food, I've never done it. I've, I've done it with every other product. Service besides food, for some reason, I'm just afraid to return food. Maybe it's just because uh, I did have a $3.35 job uh, working at Burger King in uh, the mid-'80s, starting in 1986. And I, and I know that's Burger King, and it's not the signature room, you know. So, But uh, I, I, I basically, I don't, like, I don't trust people with my food at all. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But a great day here for me it was like my staycation. So the rest of the week, you know, I'll be working pretty much, you know, all day. So uh ended up doing some things in Chicago that I had never done before, which I, I thought was pretty cool. So my 
ability to tell you who signed with everybody yesterday, you know, is kind of impaired at this point. That's why I'm going to have uh, David Olson give me a list uh, of people where, who are like, do you have a list of people who have re-signed, or is it just all the signings that... Uh, I, I've got everybody, and nobody's really got a really good comprehensive. Well, ESPN's got a good comprehensive list, but it's all just it doesn't it the way it's broken down is kind of weird. So I'm gonna have to shuffle through. Okay. But I mean, I think that, I think the first thing to talk about is the uh, quarterback shuffle uh, with the Seahawks and the Vikings. Okay, so uh, Donovan McNabb is he going to end up in Minnesota, and then with the Seahawks? From what I understand. Yeah, the Seahawks, Matt Hasselbeck is uh, now with the Tennessee Titans. That's really good. That's really good right uh, there. Which means they're going to be, and the rumor has it that uh, Vince Young is going to be shown the door within the next 24 hours. Which yeah, which is no surprise. That, that was supposed to happen. Uh, Jeff Fisher basically said that right after the shoulder pads landed in the stands for Vince Young. That was pretty much signed and, and delivered at that point. Right, so Tavares Jackson is now the leading candidate to be the starter in Seattle. Wow, you go from Matt Hasselbeck to Tavares Jackson. Now, I've also heard this, but obviously it isn't confirmed, but Matt Leinart and uh, Pete Carroll talking about uh, having a competition, Leinart versus Jackson in camp. There's just talk that the Seahawks might sign Matt Leinart, so that would... They that one, that one I, yeah, that's, uh, duh, duh. yeah. It looks like, yeah, it looks like, yeah, they're going to sign Liner. The Seahawks are going to sign Liner as well. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, you go from Matt Hasselbeck to that. That's 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 not a, a good move. But the Titans, Jeff Fisher. This is the type of quarterback that he needs. A guy that is uh, extremely aggressive, yet doesn't do stupid things with the football. Now I know he did against the Bears. He, he did do some really bad things against. The, the Bears in the playoff game, but typically he's good with the football. One game in the and one bad game in the playoffs, and Carroll gets rid of him, even though he was awesome the week before at home against the Saints in the playoffs. So yeah, the quarterbacks always the the biggest signings. Now Arizona still has not signed a quarterback yet. Is this confirmed? The Cardinals are still are they're, they're still going after Kevin Cobb of the Eagles. Correct. They have not signed anybody yet. Okay. Uh, the 49ers did retain Alex Smith though. You know that's that's a good move. I think uh, I wanted to see Harbaugh with Alex Smith for uh, for at least a season to see if he can do something with him. Harbaugh is really works magic with quarterbacks. At least he has him on the college ranks. So you, you got a number one overall draft pick there. You might as well give your your new coach uh, a chance to to work with him. Right. And on the other side of the ball, the 49ers lost to KO Spikes to the Chargers. Well, that's a nice addition for the Chargers because I don't think they have Sean Phillips under contract, and if they do. Oh my goodness, that's uh, that's some serious linebacking core. If you have uh, if you have uh, Tiki Spikes and uh, and Sean Phillips, so that, that's actually a pretty good sign. You know, Tiki Spikes one of those guys that like that we that coach and I were talking about yesterday. He like is the outside linebacker that doesn't make a lot of tackles, but everywhere he goes, the defense is usually really really good. So uh, that's a nice signing by the Chargers, who had the number one offense in the in NFL last year had the number one defense in the NFL last year, and they didn't make the playoffs, which has never happened since the merger, 1970. Which, And I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it will never, ever happen again, too. That the number one offense and the number one defense do not make the playoffs in the NFL. I, I find that 
That's like almost crazy. So maybe yeah, instead of having all these superstars like the Chargers had, maybe they need more TKO spikes, like the the guys that are willing to do all the dirty work for them. How about anything else you got there, David? Any any other major signings at all? No, those are the major ones so far. I mean, there's a lot of uh, things going on in the rumor mill. I'll see what else I can dig up. Okay, that, that, that's quite all right. Because just when I, the way the NFL is doing it, like so, they had the undrafted free agents. Now they have the, all the free agent signings, and now within. I'm not exactly sure when. I do think it's tomorrow they can start signing the rookies. Okay, but players are getting in the camp right now, so the, the rookies really are going to be behind. Because if you can't sign your the players you drafted, you know right away, because they, they, they just want to do it so everybody gets slotted out and they know who needs what and whatsoever. So uh, now that, that seems a little weird, but these these rookies are already behind the eight ball to actually have them missing more time. I mean. They should have figured out a way that that was the first thing they did. Just sign all the players that you drafted. Now go after uh, everybody else and fill in your rosters. But whatever, that's that's where the NFL wants to do it. Right, and then uh, one more big thing came is coming across. Uh, Santonio Holmes is going to stay with the Jets. Well, the the Jets are smart, and Santonio Holmes is smart. Now, the, there's uh, something I did hear is the fact that Mark Sanchez was actually willing to restructure his contract to make sure money was freed up in order to, to, to keep a few people, including Santonio Holmes. And you know, you know, Santonio Holmes, that guy, you know, when it's all said and done, he's going to put up spectacular numbers in his career, and he already has. I mean, it's the type of guy he can return a punt for a touchdown. He could, uh, you know, on third and eight, he can get you nine yards when he gets hit in the mouth and, and obviously can – can break it at any time, and we all know in, in the clutch, you know, this guy makes some of the biggest catches in the in, in the playoffs over the last 10 years. So, you know, he's been really, really phenomenal, and so I, I think that's a really good signing. Now, Braylon Edwards, the, the Jets cannot afford to pay him for the production he's going to give them. Now, yes, he's a good football player, and he would be a great compliment to Santonio Holmes, but they're going to have to pay him like 5 or $6 million a year, maybe more than that. With as many great players that are on the Jets, that's you got to be like, all right, Braylon Edwards, goodbye. Now, Brad Smith, you better step up and become a a, a good wide receiver. You got to you got to pick and choose your poison. And and the Jets are contending for a Super Bowl, so the, these decisions are are extremely important. There's even talk, believe it or not, there's talk that uh, the Jets are going to go after Nandi Osamwa. And then put three corners on the field with a free safety and blitz every all seven guys every single play of the game next year. That's I mean, there's I, I don't know if the Jets are just throwing feelers out there to try to drive up Nandi Asamoah's price because uh, they're afraid that he's going to end up with uh, a team they might be battling for in the playoffs. But uh, that would be an, an interesting defense because you'd have uh, Rebus Island, Antonio uh, Cromartie, their uh, the other corner who is the most overrated player. I think it's football, possibly, is uh, they're not going to re-sign him. So they got the kid out of Boise State, uh, the, the Smith kid. His, his name was like Chris Smith. And he, and he played phenomenal in the, in the nickel last year for the Jets. So uh, if you get another kid, and if you get Nandi Asamoah, who is the number one free agent. Now, when, when I was talking earlier, and I, I wanted to bring this up. So this is perfect for it. The way too many high-ticket price free agents are bust, especially in the NFL. In baseball, too. Basketball, not so much. Most of the time, they they at least will produce. But like last year, the big one was Julius Peppers. And for year one, the Bears got their money out of Julius Peppers. My goodness, was he a game changer. Maybe not in, in his statistics, 
but the fact that you could actually have a, a weak side defensive end put his hand down and, and basically get double teamed on every play, create pass rush, and uh, it really helped the defense. Like the, the Bears got all the way to the NFC Championship game with that defense. It was definitely not their offense that was leading their way there. So, but Nandi Austin was going to be one of those guys that you're going to have to give a massive, massive contract to because you're talking about uh, either he or Del Rivas as the best cornerback in the game. And if, if somebody goes after him, he really will change uh, a defense. He really – see, when you're talking about a pass rusher or a shutdown corner or a quarterback, those guys could possibly be worth overpaying. You know, you don't want to overpay a running back. As soon as you do, that guy – oh, wow, that guy ran for 2,000 yards. Let's give him 10 mil a season. Well, guess what? He's done. There's nothing left in the legs. And, you know, another guy, like, you can have the greatest defensive tackle or the greatest linebacker in the world, and you got to have great players like that. And and, and, uh, if you listen to this show, you know how much I believe in having great defensive linemen and all that, but you cannot overpay at certain positions. But Nandi Austin was the number one free agent here in the NFL. Uh, That is the type of guy that if you add, like if the Cowboys, who I've talked about getting him, the Cowboys were pretty, well, obviously they, they were bad last year. Okay. Uh, but the year before they were close, they were close to coming to the Super Bowl. Um, they got DeMarcus Ware, a great, great pass rusher. If you add Nandi Osamoa to one of the worst pass defenses in, in the NFC, the, the, the Cowboys lost a lot of games last year, but they lost a lot of close games. And if you got Nandi Osamoa on their team, they, they could have won a few more games. Now, obviously, they got to keep their, their quarterback healthy. We'll see if that happens for them. But uh, wherever Nandi Osamoa lands, one team has got significantly better. And I, I would look to see him to go to a team that is extremely close to going to the Super Bowl. So you're talking uh, his choices are going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I mean, they have some money. They'd have to maneuver a little bit. Uh, th- there's been talk uh, of the Patriots. So that is not going to happen. That's, that's not going to happen. There's, a, uh, there's other talk for other teams that have the money and the interest, uh, the Dolphins uh, and a few other ones. But I, I think it's going to be to uh, a team that is close to winning the, the championship. So... Uh, maybe if the Saints get rid of Reggie Bush, maybe Nandi Osamai ends up in New Orleans. Uh, you know that that wouldn't be too uh, out of the question because uh, the the Saints are losing a lot of players this year. Uh, we're going to find out how good uh, Naperville native Sean Payton is the co- as is as a coach because or how good of a coach Drew Brees was because he was the one uh, running all the practices, which were set to be the most organized of any of the. The player-led practices this year were the Saints by Drew Brees. It was, it was the people that were out there watching them. The news guys were extremely impressed with uh, with how well the practices were run. So maybe Drew Brees going to end up being a coach someday. Uh, but yeah, but not the awesome one. Cowboys, Eagles, wherever he goes, that that team is really got a going to have a great corner. And if you have a great corner that could really help your whole entire defensive scheme, you could. Lock down the other team's best receiver, and you can concentrate on everybody else. Then, when you when you can forget about the other team's number one target or number one wide receiver, and I don't care who it is, you put him up against uh, Andre Johnson of uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, Dider Johnson's not going to have a good game, but if he does end up on the Jets, and and there is talk, and uh, Ryan wants him, they, but they have to figure out how they'd be able to pay him and not lose too many players. But if you if you if they stay healthy, Joe Rivas and Nandi Asma stay healthy, and you get the top two corners in the game, and and and, and folks, these are like 
these are Hall of Fame level players, Hall of Fame level corners. There, there's not a doubt that these are the two best in the game right now. If you do this with a guy who licks his lips and just loves to go after quarterbacks, this could end up being one of the most exciting defenses uh, in my mind of the last like 15, 20 years because the Jets have no problem blitzing people. And it, and I love that style of football. So that is one part of free agency to where, where Nandi Asamoah lands. I, I'm really, really excited to see. So football, that's basically all we got. We don't have anybody cracking heads yet. Now the, the Patriots and a few other teams I do know start today. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of coverage of people out there banging heads. So Now there's, uh, uh, there's one other situation going on, and that's in Cincinnati. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, and this one is absolutely remarkable. Uh, Mike Brown, uh, the president of the Cincinnati Bengals, Paul Brown's son, I'm pretty sure, or grandson, but he's, he's uh, Paul Brown, the founder of the, the Cincinnati Bengals, either grandson or son. And Mike Brown has decided to just let Carson Palmer retire instead of caving in to Carson Palmer's trade demands. And Carson Palmer said, I don't want to be a Bengal anymore. Trade me or I'll retire. So Mike Brown's like, okay, I am not going to. And he has, uh, there's been a long list of Bengals who have asked to be traded, and he's never caved. He said, you signed a deal, you signed a commitment, then uh, then you better do it. I'm not going to reward anybody uh, for, uh, not, you know, wanting to be traded. And if you think about what if Carson Palmer, what if Mike Brown decides, you know what, let me get something out of him. Let me, I can get a second, you can get a second round pick for Carson Palmer. I know he did not play all that well last year, but if you had a sort of Terrell Owens and Chad Oshosinko who just go out there and freelance and do whatever, it would drive me crazy as a quarterback, too. And let's not forget the last two games of the season that, that uh, Oshosinko and Terrell Owens were out were Carson, Carson Palmer's two best games. And I know they're not bringing Owens back. They got Oshosinko back. Uh, but if I'm Mike Brown, I understand having – what do you say? I understand having, you know, you want to stand up for something. you got to have some principles. You say you sign a contract. You don't sign a contract with me and, and then demand a trade later. I, I, I totally appreciate that. You can't give away too much control of the, up to people. I mean, you should expect somebody to live it up. But if you're talking about you can get a second-round draft pick for Carson Palmer, you're the Bengals. You need to rebuild. It's better to, it's better to actually get something out of this than uh, have egg on your face. And I know you might be worried that other players might demand trades after that. But it's maybe an issue you're going to deal with. Now, you've chosen to do one way, and hopefully it, it works out for you. Well, actually, I, I can care less for the Cincinnati Bengals, but something tells me it, it's not going to happen. Uh, now, if you think about if Carson Palmer could be out on the, on the trade market, Carson Palmer going to Arizona, that's not bad. Larry Fitzgerald likes to run uh, precise routes. Uh, Seattle. I, I think uh, if I'm if I'm Pete Carroll, I know you want to build for the future, but are you really building with the future with Tavarius Jackson or Matt Liner? I mean, I know Matt, Carson Palmer would be the oldest out of out of all of them, but Carson Palmer still could have three to five to more good years left in him. Who knows? I mean, the guy was a rookie in 2003, so it's not like I know it's the it's the quarterback position. It's not a running back or. Or linebacker, you can you can play a pretty long career in there. Obviously, uh, Carson Palmer did have the, the horrific ACL injury in the 2005 playoffs when Timo Van Isamoa jumped on his knee and busted it. But and he and to be honest, he's never been the quarterback since. Now, uh, two years ago, 
he had regained that, and it all looked phenomenal. And then uh, he hurt the shoulder, and then after that, you know, he really hasn't been the same quarterback. But uh, if, if I'm around the league, I would, I'd rather have Carson Palmer than a few other guys that, that have signed around the league. So uh, just throwing that out there. So uh, very, very interesting. I love the way John Clayton said it. We have Christmas and New Year's all wrapped up into one as, as football fans. So now obviously I'd much, I can't wait till September 11th. And uh, week one of the NFL, but this stuff uh, I, I get pretty interested in it too. So, you know, uh, we talked about football; these massive contracts, and very rarely do they work out. And there's been so many instances. And if you don't believe me, just look at the Washington Redskins and and their history. Year in, year out, they're throwing um, they threw a hundred million dollars at Albert Hainsworth. That was a guy who stepped on somebody's neck after a play. Oh. He ended up having the bad dispositions, and you, you you blew the money. Oh, what a surprise! You know, as much as we like three technique tackles, that's a waste of money. So there have been many issues of people wasting money in uh, in football and in baseball. It's happened a lot too. But one guy that definitely has not been a waste of money uh, on his contract, and this guy signed a hundred and sixty-one million dollar deal, folks, and that is CC Sabathia uh, of the uh, <clears throat> New York Yankees. Uh, struck out 14 last night, and but those were Mariners, so I don't know if that actually if you if that counts. But struck out 14 in seven innings. He picked up his 15th win of the season, um, and there was a rain delay. <laughs> he had pitched five and a third innings up to this point. So five and a third innings is, is 16 batters. He was perfect, and he had struck out 11 of the batters. So that, that's. That's pretty dominant, folks. You can't get much better than 11 out of 16 batters being struck out. Um, eventually gave up a hit to, to Brendan Ryan, uh, extended the Mariners' uh, losing streak out to 16 games. I mean, that is just absolutely horrific. Uh, is, to lose that many games in a row, I mean, it's their 17th consecutive loss. Excuse me, I said 16. It's their 17th consecutive loss. So uh, just absolutely unbelievable. Um one thing I will say about this. Now, forget about the whole deal, how dominant uh, CC was last night. But typically, you know, uh, Major League Baseball players sign these huge contracts, and they don't end up living up to them. Uh, but CC Sabathia, $161 million. Crazy thing is, he had an option, an opt-out year. So technically, in some way, he's still a free agent this year. He still has three more years at around $21 million a year left on his contract. But he can opt out and get a new deal if he wants to. And uh, he's pitching like he does. Uh, and if he, so if you think about it, he's still got a $161 million deal from the Yankees. It, it, since he's been in New York, he's, he has, he's going to end up with over 80 wins in his first four seasons. And he was the number one pitcher who won a World Series in New York. So he's a rare, rare uh, breed of guys who got paid a lot of money and, and are getting it done. But if you look around baseball right now, there is a, a plethora of great pitching. And believe it or not, not as many bats. It, it, it's funny. Now at the at the trade deadline, there's a, and there's a lot of talk of who's going where and and uh, who needs what. And there's a lot of people that are looking for for bats. And that's uh, I mean, obviously, there's, teams are always going to look for pitching, no matter what. Teams are going to look for pitching. A uh, hundred years from now, people are going to look for pitching. But it, it just seems that this year in particular, there's a lot more teams, like the Angels, who are, are pretty good, but they need at least two more bats. Uh, the Rangers, believe it or not, they, they're looking for more pitching, but they may need uh, some bats. The Yankees, uh, well, they look pretty good. They don't need a bat, but 
the, the Phillies need a closer. The Cardinals need a closer. The Phillies need, uh, they also need a bat. They need an extra outfielder. I, I don't expect, uh, Raul Labanez to keep on hitting like he has the last 10 days. So there's going to be a lot of movement all around baseball. So this ends up being a, a pretty important time because the, the trade deadline is just around the corner. Today is July 27th, so we've got four more days. And still there hasn't been any major move. And with as many teams that actually need players as, as so many do right now, it's kind of strange not to see any movement. So uh, looking around baseball, uh, uh, you got Boston and New York are, are two games apart in the American League East. Uh, New York has uh, trailing, but New York is leading the, the wild card race. And then you have uh, the, the American League Central, where uh, Detroit is leading Cleveland by two and the White Sox by four and a half. The White Sox have been four and a half games back since May 15th, I think, and we keep on asking, when are they going to make their move? I don't know if they're going to make it just yet. They might be uh, they might be four and a half games back when the season closes is, is the issue. Now, in the American League West, it's between two teams. It's going to be the Rangers and the Angels, and the Angels definitely need uh, some some production. They need some power. Uh, they're, uh, Vernon Wells is finally starting to hit for them. Tor, uh, Torrey Hunter is hitting a little bit. But they have not been a consistent offense whatsoever. They definitely need some pop, and especially from the third base position. Please, Artie Moreno, have your GM get on the phone with Jim Hendry. We have a guy by the name of Ramos Ramirez who would look great in an Anaheim Angels uniform. Now, over in the National League, um, the Central is the, is the best race in, in all of baseball. Uh, in the National League West, you got the you got the San Francisco Giants who are. Winning ugly again this year. I don't know how they do it. If they pull a rabbit out of the hat, it seems like every single game. Uh, they're leading the Diamondbacks by three. Now, the, the Diamondbacks have issues. And just like uh, the Braves I'm going to talk about here in a minute, uh, the Diamondbacks had an injury to, to uh, Stephen Drew the other day. Stephen Drew's an extremely good defensive shortstop and their number two hitter. He's done for the season. Slid in the home. His spike caught on home plate, broke his ankle in half. It was the most, one of the most disgusting injuries you'll see in, in baseball. He's done for the season. So the Diamondbacks took a real big hit there. So we'll see if uh, if San Francisco can uh, keep up leading the, the National League West. Now, uh, Tim Liscom hasn't pitched well yet, so you, you got to figure he's going to go in for a, a dominant run. Uh, and that, that's going to be the big question because uh, they've been able to overcome the Buster Posey uh, injury just from the simple fact that Pablo Sandoval the last month has been killing the ball. So uh, the Giants, even though it's only three games, I think are really in control of the National League West because I don't know how much longer the Diamondbacks, who who are my choice, my surprise choice to win the division, uh, I don't know how much longer they're going to hang on. Uh, And in the National League East, you know, Atlanta looks very strong for the wild card. Uh, They got a a two-and-a-half game lead over Arizona for that also, except one thing, Brian McCann, their starting catcher, the best catcher in baseball. Uh, got hurt yesterday in, in one of the most dramatic games of, of the day. He uh, was throwing a ball, trying to get Andrew McCutcheon out at second base on the steal, threw it in the center, and he just so happened to pull an oblique. He's going to be put on the 15-game DL. I'd say that's Atlanta's best player. And, you know, and Atlanta is uh, six and a half game back of the, of the Phillies. I, I didn't expect them to, uh, to catch them, but the, the coach and I were talking about it yesterday. We saw the Braves as a, as a team that is contending for a world championship because they have three really good starters and a real good all-around team. So uh, their best all-around player, Brian McCann, is going to be out for like 15 games. Uh, hopefully for their part, it's one of those oblique things that he goes on the DL and four days later, it's like, you know, I didn't even need to go on the DL. 
But then again, obliques, they could last just six months. So uh, for the brace part, hopefully Brian McCann is going to be healthy. Now in the in the in the National League Central, Atlanta beat uh, Pittsburgh last day. Pittsburgh uh, is a half a game behind the St. Louis Cardinals. They are tied with the the Brewers. So you got the Cardinals and then the Pirates and the Brewers a half game back, and then Cincinnati a five games back. And Cincinnati is slowly fading. Uh, their young pitching just, I, I guess, wasn't ready. Maybe the, the way too many bright lights, way too many expectations, but the Reds will not be ready to win the National League Central this year. Now, the Pittsburgh Pirates last night were playing the Braves. I was talking about the, so, uh, end up going 19 innings. What a ball game. Jeff Carstens of the, of the Pirates started. Uh, he's having a phenomenal season. Uh, this game ends up going 19, and it was one of those things where nobody can get a hit, and it was great defense going around. It wasn't just, like, bad hitting. It was really good pitching, uh, extremely good defense going on. Uh, in the in the bottom of the 19th, Scott Proctor, the former pitcher, middle reliever for the Yankees, he's now a reliever for the, the Atlanta Braves, is at bat, and uh, Julio Lugo, formerly of every single team in Major League Baseball, I believe, uh, the Rays, the Astros, the Rangers, you name a team, Julio Lugo has committed errors for them. But he's on third base, and there's a, a two-hopper to the to the third baseman. He comes home. Uh, there's one out in the, in the bottom of the 19th. Obviously, you're coming home because that's the game-winning run. And as Julio Lugo slides, the catcher, and it's, it's the, the McKendry kid from the Pirates, tags him, it looks like, Tags him right on the side, about four feet, at least four feet away from home plate. Julio Lugo pops up, steps on home plate, and the umpire calls him safe. The whole pirate infield continued the play like it was still going on for about a second and a half after he was called safe. They didn't realize what was going on. They're like, they kept playing it. And that's, you know, the pitcher who was pointing at after the tag, turns around, and, and I got the, the umpire's call it safe, is screaming and pointing at first to the catcher. The catcher's turning his body, getting ready to throw, and all of a sudden he realized, what? And he turns, like, you just called him safe? And uh, all he gets is Clint Hurdle, who's uh, right now the, the National League Manager of the Year. Well, they, he was wearing black and yellow. But, folks, his face was a bright, bright purple. Uh, Jerry Meals is, uh, is the um, home umpire at the time, and he said he thought there was an Ole tag from McKendry. And they show the one angle, and it looked from the back angle where would be the umpire's angle, it looked obvious that he got hit from that angle. And it was just funny hearing the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, uh, play-by-play guys, because one of them just, he called him out! He said it about ten times, he couldn't believe it. He had called him out! <laughs> so, uh, now they go to show another angle. And they show another angle, and it looks from the other angle, which wasn't the angle that the ump was looking at it, which is was strange because that angle looked like it was obviously at him. From the other angle, it was like, wow, I, I'm not sure he actually tagged him. It looked like he missed him. So they saw, everybody said it was an obvious, obvious tag. You have to, you have to see both angles because there's another angle that looks like he possibly missed him. So when people are like, oh, this is another case, you have the Pirates, that cost them first place, and the Pirates would be in first place right now if it wasn't for that call. Uh, they were able the Pirates would be in first place. So you get a three-team race. This game is huge. That's why we need. Uh, that's why we need uh, instant replay. Well, folks, I would assume instant replay is going to work very similar to the way NFL and the NBA has it, where 
if there's no definitive proof that something happened, you can't overrule a call. And if they would have showed both angles, you would have said the one angle, oh, yeah, look, he touched him. It looks like he touched him because it was from above, and he swept. Now they show another angle that's a flatter angle, and you look at it like, wow, he may have missed him. So all everybody talking about this call, talking about this is why we need instant replay, this is the worst, the worst uh, example of why we need instant replay because right now, if this instant replay would have been able, they would have had to shrug their shoulders and say, we could do nothing about it. We have to keep the call the way it is. So uh, if you hear anybody else it, it's saying that that's why we need it, it isn't. There, there's many other reasons why we might need instant replay, but that was not the play. So um, I went around baseball. I want to go to the daily. Just went through the, uh, the, the teams that were leading each of the divisions. But there's definitely plenty to talk about in the world. And just stuff that always shocks me a little bit. And so Amy Winehouse deal. Okay, now, the way people reacted when she first passed away, now Amy Winehouse, the young lady from uh, England, died on Saturday, uh, known for songs like Rehab, and she has two albums out, and uh, both albums are extremely good albums. Uh, but right when she died, everybody was like, oh, I don't know, I didn't, hey, I, I was included. I was the one saying, oh, I, I'm not surprised, what, what a shock. She died, the woman was always on drugs and doing heroin, doing crazy stuff. Well, it turns out that, she had no drugs in her system whatsoever. She had not done any drugs for uh, at least a couple weeks. So, you know, obviously it wasn't an overdose. Well, another thing that always uh, kind of cracks me up about just the way people react, um, she is now the number one, her albums are now number one on the download charts. Right now it's like it, she shot up. And this is number one after just Saturday, and that, so that goes Saturday and Sunday of last week she was number one. This is after she had passed away, so they're they're saying this week, the first two days of this week are measurable. Uh, like she's the number one selling artist in the world. So anybody out there, if you really want uh, to become popular and you really want to become number one in your, prof- your profession, even if it's only for a couple of days, basically just die. I guess that's the the best thing. Is uh, why weren't people buying her album before? Just makes me just shrug my shoulders a little bit. And uh, some other stories. Of, this one well, is... Uh, real quick, before you get yeah. off Amy Winehouse. I was never on Amy Winehouse. Yes, hello. And if you were, get yourself checked. <laughs> At any rate, uh, Russell Brand. Yes. Uh, the English comedian. Apparently, the two of them were very good friends. Uh, I've never been a big fan of the guy, but he wrote like a beautiful, beautiful article that's made his way around the Internet about her. So okay. I would just Google Russell Brand, Amy Winehouse, and just read it. It's, it's, it's very, very touching stuff. Okay, I, I definitely will. And, you know, I'm a fan of Russell Brand. He, did you see Forgetting Sarah Marshall? I did. I did, and I saw the, the well, I guess it's the sequel, uh, get, get Him to the Greek, because he plays the same character in both movies. Yeah, I see. I want to see Get Him to the Greek just because of that character he played in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, which... get, get Me to the Greek was terrible. Was it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, you well, know, I just, know. So, supposedly he's a very, very funny comedian. I've never seen a stand-up, and I just, I don't, I don't find him funny. I've always, he's always struck me as like England's answer to Pauly Shore. You that, know, that's, it's it's it just yeah, I, I, I just he doesn't do it for me. That's not a good comparison. No, no knock on Paul Shore, but you know that's not what you strive to be as a comedian. You know, you know. So, <laughs> well, I will. I definitely will check that out. So, uh, 
uh, Russell Brand uh, wrote a nice thing about Amy Winehouse. So I, I definitely will check it out because I find them funny. Hopefully, you know, this one is funny. Now, uh, did you, did, you know, there's actually the, the National Science Institute of the United States is actually think they may have come up with a, uh, a flu vaccine that will last for up to 10 years, which is, which is absolutely dramatic. I didn't know this. Over 200,000 people are hospitalized every year. Between three to 49,000 people in the United States die every year of the flu. And, and you get flu shots. I have never gotten a flu shot. To be quite honest with you, I'm a little bit against it. Because I always think all these people are getting flu shots. They're, they're changing these strands. So these, the, these strands of the flu shots are making them even worse. And eventually one day I'm going to get the flu. And I will be one of those three to 49,000 people that die every year of the flu. Uh, but I guess the reason why was uh, there's different... They just realized that viruses, which they always thought, oh, they always change and... They always mutate and you can Well, there's always a part that stays exactly the same. It's a very, very minute part of it, but it stays. So they can actually come up with flu strands or flu vaccines that go after the constant part, and then you get a flu shot, and you're good for the next 10 years. You're not going to get the flu. But I, I don't – I really need to ask about this, Dave, because I have had the flu one time in, like, 15 years, okay, and – I typically like eat healthy, eat natural, do all that stuff. But you know what? I drink a little bit too much. But I, people who get flu vaccines get the flu. Do, uh, do you know people who get do take the flu vaccine and do they get the flu? No, no. And I I know people that take the. I get. I started getting the flu vaccine uh, after my kids were born. Okay. My, my wife is a pharmacist, so she pushes the flu vaccine. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't know anybody that's gotten the vaccine and then has gotten the flu. Really? No, I don't. Not, no one. Okay, uh, that's that's good to know. That's actually that's real, real good to know. So yeah, but the, but the thing to remember with the with the flu, it is a virus, and you can eat as healthy as you want, and you can take care of yourself. the The key to avoiding the flu is washing your hands. That's that, <laughs> that, that and that's it. That's it. And, uh, yeah, so that's all. That's the only thing. You just make sure you stay hygienic, and that's it. Not like Exactly. Now, like now other people might kind of de- defeat that, you know, with you taking the train a lot, and, you know, somebody could be, you know, coughing and whatever, and he might pick it up airborne. But mo- mo- most people end up getting it from surface, surface contact. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, I legitimately wash my hands, like, constantly. So hopefully that's. Oh, well, that's going to be that's no, which, which is good, which is what you should be doing. Okay, so I guess that's the one reason why I haven't gotten the flu over the years. It isn't because besides besides the fact that I drink too much, that I pretty much eat and live a pretty healthy lifestyle. So I guess well, that's got to help. I want to tell myself it helps because and staying positive. Hopefully, that's why I haven't got the flu. But talk about I'm trying to stay positive to avoid the flu. Talk about a negative reaction towards our Congress. Uh, this is coming out, uh, and according to PR Online News, 46% of, of uh, our people in the United States think Congress is corrupt. And not just like, oh, they're, they're bad, they take money, like corrupt, like to the point where most of them are criminals, which I, did, I, I don't know where they actually got this statistic, 46%, and I, I do believe I, that Congress is corrupt. I just don't see that almost half the people out there who really believe it. Hopefully this is true because maybe this will help uh, spur on 
some changes in Congress and maybe get some people in there that we can actually trust. But 46% think that Congress is corrupt. Uh, hopefully that is the correct number. And another number that I, that I saw that pretty much backs up the fact that Congress is corrupt, and maybe this is why 46% of people think it's corrupt, is uh, the PROnlineNews.com in the same article comes up with a, a few statistics. And you do this, you think about this from whatnot. Now, people become senators for what? And the whole American dream is because they want to do good for their community. And they, they wanted to use their knowledge and their whatever to make change and make things good in, in America. Well, just to let you know, when they took of every, the members, of all the members of Congress right now, they took their net worth from the day they got into office to what their net worth is right now. And of all the, the members of Congress, the net worth has increased by 3,669%. So don't tell me, people, that they're out there to be altruistic and they're there to help create change and spur on being good. If your net worth doesn't triple, 3,669%. That's basically like, so if you were worth a million, when you get out of there, you're worth 36 million. That's the type of, that's the type of money we're talking about here. Not, you know, if it was 360%, you're looking at 3.6%. Why should somebody profit so much by being elected into the United States government? It's, it's, it's unfathomable to me. I don't understand this. I, reading this, I was ready to puke, but it pretty much explains why 46% of Americans don't trust Congress and think that they're corrupt. If you were hearing that, I mean, what should, shouldn't you increase your, your, your net worth by about 8% while you're in Congress? You know what I mean? I mean, I understand that people should have the ability to make money and have live with free will and all that other stuff. But if you get elected to Congress, that shouldn't be your foremost priority. Just, just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there, people. So, uh, well, a long day. Didn't have any breaks. I'm sorry about that, David. I just kept talking and talking and talking. So I'm going to have to drink some tea, relax, and enjoy my last hour here in the, in the Drake Hotel before they, they drag me out of here. But I really do appreciate you giving me all the, the, the free agent signings because uh, that, that was almost like reactionary radio for me, to be honest with you, when Coach does that to me. So I do appreciate doing that with you for change. And uh, I do appreciate you pushing all the buttons and, and taking care of me over there. The coach, John Cohn, will not be here for a while. It's his one-week sabbatical. He's tied up on the chair, but I'll be back tomorrow. This is Joel Redwanski for John Cohn and David Olson. See you tomorrow on Two Guys and a Mike.